The World of Dark Ages podcast presents Side Quests, tidbits and inspiration for the Dark Ages. Greetings, dear listeners, and welcome to Side Quests. My name is Jacob. And I'm Peter. Peter, we have hit quite a milestone on our Facebook, haven't we? Yes, we did. We just hit our 200th and 201st member in the Facebook group. So uh, that's really cool. So welcome to to those two and to everyone else. Yes, that is uh, pretty damn awesome. Uh, I'm hoping that everyone uh, who's a member is also listening. Uh, But you never know. I I think there's a way to set up uh, so that I know how many people are listening to this podcast. But if there is, I haven't figured out how. So I'm just going to assume that at least 200 people eventually listen to this podcast. Yes, um, uh, and, and the podcast dog says hello as well. She's the one tap dancing in the background. Oh, yes, we, uh, we have a third member and it's podcast dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's dive straight into this. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably know that it has been announced that the world of darkness is coming to the screen. If you did not know this, well, it has been announced that the world of darkness is coming to the screen. Um, Yes, again, (laughs) we'll get to that. So uh, we have gathered the information presented in the articles posted about it, and we're going to go through this info and talk about it, give our opinions and predictions, and then, because this is the World of Dark Ages podcast, uh, we're going to talk about this in relation to the Dark Ages setting. So we'll start off with the information given that the world of darkness is coming to screens Big and small. Uh, They specifically say that in the press release. So it looks like they're aiming for both movies and uh, TV shows. They mention Vampire the Masquerade, Werewolf the Apocalypse, Mage the Ascension, Orpheus and Hunter the Reckoning. And say that the team expects to, uh, to make announcements for specific titles this year. Yes, titles plural. So we have a lot to unpack. Uh, Peter, how well do you know these five titles mentioned? Uh, well, I, I know about all of them, uh, except maybe Orpheus, because that's kind of a spin-off of Wraith, the Oblivion. Uh, so I actually had to... I, I remember that I heard about it when it came out, but that was back when I was a teenager who didn't have a lot of money to spend on uh, a lot of books. So most of my role-playing monies went to Vampire the Masquerade. Mm. Um but but yeah, I've I've heard about it and and it's um, if I'm not mistaken completely, it's it's kind of like a more more of a, a psychic spiritual theme rather than yeah. you being ghost like you. Um, I yeah I, I asked out of uh, body experiences and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I asked a, a friend of ours, Mikkel, who uh, has played it quite a lot about it, and and he said that. While it is officially a World of Darkness game, um, it it doesn't really have any interaction with the rest of the World of Darkness because it's about um, a company called Orpheus, uh, which has found people that have had several near-death experiences and with a bit of mechanical uh, scientific help, they can separate their spirit from their body, which is called projecting, and then interact with the uh, ghosts that uh, are are there. And uh, you have various types of... uh, of ghosts with various powers. And then the core book focuses on helping the people who are haunted. Um, you can uh, exercise ghosts and help them give close closure. And then there are a couple of competitors. Um, and originally, 
basically you just you're just you know running around in the real world being intangible when you're projecting but then if you follow um the um the campaign you then later get into the world of the ghosts so yet there is this connection as you mentioned with uh wraith but he also says that um as it is real it's really good for a tv show because um it's very self-contained and there's not a whole lot of explaining to do it's basically there are people who can pro uh, project into uh, um, the astral realm or the ghost realm, whatever you want to call it, and there are also ghosts. But he also says that it's going to be very, very difficult to connect it to the broader world of darkness, um, and and it it could um, damage it, damage it. But he very much um, talks about the campaign that they uh, made, and he says that it's the best White Wolf campaign ever made, and it's five wow. books. Yeah, it's five books of 168 pages each, so it's, as far as I can tell, bigger than Transylvania Chronicles, which is only four books. And um, so so he, he wants me to, uh, to give mad props to Lucian Solban, who is the developer of that campaign. Um, but the reason I asked him was because I think Orpheus is the one that people probably know the least, and also the one where... Um, you can't, from the title of it, really uh, know what it is. I mean, Vampire, Werewolf, Mage, and Hunter. Uh, I've never played Hunter, but just Hunter, I know what it is. You're hunting the supernatural. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I think I actually read somewhere that it's supposed to be Wraith and not Orpheus, but we'll we'll just have to wait and see on that one. Um, yeah. Because, it, like you mentioned, it, it does make a bit more sense to... Uh, to have something actually connected a lot to to the other um, other settings or, or other monsters, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. And when I'm looking at, I mean, Vampire, we obviously both know that very well. I've played quite a bit of Werewolf. My wife is a huge Werewolf fan. I haven't played that much Mage. I think I've actually played more Mage Sorcerer's Crusade than Modern Day Mage, uh, and I've never played Hunter. Um but looking at it, I think these are uh, probably the most what you might call translationable titles, titles that are most easily translated into uh, this uh, medium of media. Because obviously Vampire the Masquerade, if you look at, at um, TV shows and movies, vampires are always popular. Werewolf, again, I think it's, it's not going to be that difficult to translate the whole idea behind Werewolf. Mage... Uh, <sighs> It it could work. You you have shows. Uh, what's what's your favorite mage uh, guy? The, the oh uh, uh, yeah, um, the modern fantasy uh, wizard with Constantine. The, Constantine. Yeah, no, no, not only Constantine, but actual uh, urban fantasy. Um, oh uh, yeah, yeah, Dresden. Stormwind, uh, Dresden. Yeah, Dresden Files. Yeah. Uh, which they also made into a TV show, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, uh, um, not a super good one, but it had mm, potential. Yeah, uh, but but I'm guessing the problem with that show isn't the source material, but rather the fact that they didn't make a really good show out of it. So, it's the translation, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so so you have all of these, like like you mentioned, vampire and werewolves and and ghosts and and stuff that that could all fit in the same setting and if we take shows like supernatural for example or or constantine um too bad they didn't make more uh, seasons of that one but but you you can obviously fit a lot of supernatural yeah. stuff the, into the same setting yeah i think the problem with mage or at least <sighs> this might be my personal prejudices talking but what i see as the problem for mage is the whole paradigm and philosophy behind it because 
I think it's going to be difficult to interest a casual viewer keep their interest if you delve too deeply into the whole perception is reality thing. I think it becomes extremely philosophical in a way that might actually drive away some people. Um, but I would be interested uh, to hear what, uh, what what our listeners think if we have some listeners who are big Mage fans, because I will I will admit I've never been the biggest uh, fan of, of modern day Mage. Historical Mage settings more so, but modern day Mage, I've never, I think I've never really gotten it. No, I, I haven't really played Mage either, uh, and and as you say, it, it has some rather philosophical um, <laughs> aspects of it that that you say doesn't really translate too well. I I do think that that you could easily, uh, well, okay, now, now we're kind of getting into the stuff because it all depends on on what they make of all of this. Oh yes, you you could easily have a character uh, such as Constantine or. Um, or Harry Dresden, or I don't know, uh, the Doctor, basically, who would uh, who, who would fit into this world of darkness uh, setting, bigger bigger narrative setting, uh, who just shows up and and like, oh look, he's one of those mages. But but that that kind of depends if they're making uh, shows for each of the three, or, or sorry, what is it, five? Five, main, yeah. Yeah, my main main kind of settings, and then they have crossovers, or or is yeah. it just gonna be one big? Because it mm. it it all depends on how they do it, and uh, and and I'm thinking that I I don't know if a lot of people remember it. I'm guessing a lot of our listeners do, but but Vampire and and the World of Darkness was really huge back when it was at at, at its biggest. You you had tie-ins to basically everything you you had uh kindred embrace which we'll talk about on later you had yeah. uh music from the succubus club which was basically a theme song from still for, for each an of the, awesome album yeah it's a it's an if if you can find it it's probably on spotify but if, if you can find it it's a really good it's no it's basically it's, a theme song for for yeah. each of the 13 clans and it's not on spotify i've checked i own it but i wanted to add it to a spotify playlist and it's uh, not there yeah <laughs> so but but some of the some of the theme songs are or rather fitting and and it fits into the whole um gothic theme of it and and then you have so- songs like uh blood sucker 2000 which is <laughs> the i think it's the timich song i, I think so which, too yeah. yeah which um and then you have one that is called uh, hemoglobin which i think is for asamite which has the refrain um hemoglobin suck you dry and lick you clean uh we, and it's a very upbeat tempo, so, so some of them are more tongue-in-cheek uh, than, <laughs> yeah. than others. But but you still had that one. Um, WWE had a, a vampire-themed wrestler called the Gangrel. Uh, like the Vampire: The Masquerade and, and World of Darkness was was huge in the kind of marketing department and and oh, yeah. what they could get away with. Uh, which also shows that when when Underworld, the the movie about vampires fighting. Uh, werewolves they got sued by uh, by by white wolf uh, and if i remember correct, correctly they settled it out of court which yeah. means that and it, uh, sony was the one who made the movie and if sony settles out of court because uh, they they get sued for copyright infringement infringement they kind of realize 
that they they would have lost if it went to court because or at least it, the chances of losing were so big that they yeah. weren't going to uh, to risk it yeah exactly so so the world of darkness was was a thing and i'm thinking that it could probably be something like this again if they make if they make these these tv shows and yeah uh, and yeah, movies and, if, and whatever, if if they make them good, because that's yeah. that's going to be the problem, in my opinion. Yeah, and and if you look at, I mean, you said that that uh, it might be Wraith instead of Orpheus, but I'm thinking Orpheus, uh, as uh, our friend Mikkel mentioned, uh, is so easily translatable to to the screen, whereas Wraith, because it takes place, or at least a lot of it, some of it's going to take place in the Shadow World. I've never played Wraith. I've read it like once or twice, but there's there's this whole land of the living, and then there's this almost mm-hmm. fantasy-like realm, realm land of the dead, which might actually make it a bit more difficult to translate because you're dealing with a whole different world. Um, and then we have Hunter the Reckoning rather than Changeling, and I think because they're going with the old world of darkness, Changeling the Dreaming is something I think is that is going to be very difficult to translate without people yeah. just thinking it's going to be silly. I mean, I've played it uh, quite a bit, and I've played uh, it quite a bit as a LARP as well, and with the right story. It is, it is a lot different than people might think when they see it as being all colorful and everything. But I understand why they take Hunter the Reckoning, because the idea of uh, hunting the supernatural, it is also uh, something that is quite popular in movies and TV shows. So it makes sense that they take this um, specific property and want to make that into, uh, into something, because it's going to grab people's attention rather than Changeling, which is going to require a lot of explanation just the idea of yes you're hunters you hunt the supernatural yeah obviously yeah, exactly. that's going to work yeah anyone who's seen supernatural or the x-file can can relate to that so it's it's a very easy jumping off point and and it also kind of uh, grounds the the viewers in uh, you, you don't have to know too much lore or get too much into it it's you can basically have it as a monster monster of the week kind of thing. yeah uh, so, but, but yeah, what yeah. what do you think the the setting or what what should they make in in your opinion? Well, I, I mean these these are all good choices. Um, I mean, ideally there are some things I would uh, like them to make, but at the same time I understand that they're going to have to sell it because even if they make the most perfect translation that will make every World of Darkness fan watch it, that's not enough eyes on the project. They will need to get non World of Darkness fans to watch it as well in order to make it uh, possible. And in order to do that, they're going to have to make some changes because they're going to have to make it in a way that appeals to um, viewers who doesn't know role-playing games, who doesn't know the world of darkness. And I'm actually okay with that. So I think that they've made some good choices uh, in what they're going to adapt. And as I will get into later, especially when we talk about uh, Kindred the Embraced, I actually have high hopes that they can make some good stuff out of this. Um, but one thing, there are two things that I, that I think are really interesting, because firstly they mention screens big and small, so I guess the plan is to do both movies and TV shows? Yeah, I'm I'm assuming so, if if the information is correct. So basically it's it's going to be the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but yeah. thanks, or hopefully not, <laughs> not straight off, but uh, but but yeah, and and as we've seen from Marvel and and somewhat in DC, that that can work. It, it's not undoable, um, and and you can also have these 
huge, uh, big budget um, TV shows like you, you have uh, Westworld, you have uh, Game of Thrones, you have uh, Carnival Row, by the way, which is is a really good. Um, if if you want dark urban fantasy, then then Carnival yeah. Row is is really good for that. Uh, so so you can. Uh, you, you can basically, if if you want to see how a uh, how a changeling, uh, at least in the old world of darkness, changeling TV show would look, I would say that Carnival Row is is probably as close as you yeah. get. Um, um, but but yeah, I'm, I'm thinking that they will. Let's let's say that they they have a bunch of movies uh, and and then they have connecting TV shows, one for each of these five five settings. I I think that. The main problem that they're gonna have, and it's it's the same problem that that really that Marvel had, and and that in in some ways uh, Game of Thrones had as well, and and that is actually to to set up the setting so that uh, that that casual viewers actually figures it out, so that it's it's not too much of anything. It's it shouldn't be too little. It's it's like when do we introduce stuff because. If we if we take Game of Thrones for example, it was right off the start. You you kind of knew the the level of of how to put it, kind of like fantasy or supernatural. Yeah, like exactly. like you have in in the very first episode and in, in even in the prologue, if I'm not mistaken, you you had the introductions of the uh, of the Whites and the White Walkers, uh, and then you start talking about dragons straight off the bat so so you can and and then later on in in the first season you also talk about magic so you have these kind of like okay the the three supernatural elements that we have is it's probably going to be a bit of of magics we're going to have snow zombies and we're going to have dragons that's well at the same yeah well at the same time showing that there isn't a high level of magic there isn't a ton of magical creatures running around and a wizard at every corner yeah exactly which means that Later on, when we see more zombies, it's like, yeah, that's that's what we expected, and when and we see dragons, and oh my god, they're really cool, and we see a bit more more magic that isn't really explained, but it's it's still what we expect, so it, it's not out of the ordinary. Mm. But if all of a sudden in season three they would have been attacked by orcs, then it would be it would feel really strange because yeah. there haven't been mentioning of orcs, there hasn't been mentioning of any other kind of of. Uh, fantasy they, they do talk about the kind of supernatural uh, uh, like myths in in the game but they never really do anything about it they mention grumpkins i think is one of the things that they mention uh which is kind of again it's it's a bit tongue-in-cheek because oh you believe in dragons do you believe in grumpkins as well yeah um, but 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 again it's they they kind of showed us what to expect and and they they kept those expectations and and I'm thinking that the main problem, if you have the World of Darkness, which has, in this case, five kind of main uh, supernatural elements, uh, you you need to kind of establish that so that it's at least not in the setting as surprise. Because if we have all these ancient vampires and and ancient wizards or mages or and and ghosts or whatever they would probably know about each other uh, at, at least on on like a, a macro level that that the old the old vampires know about the old werewolves and, yeah. and old and so on and so on so so you you kind of have to establish that at the beginning 
because otherwise it's it's just gonna be be kind of forced if all of a sudden in season three of the vampire show there's all of a sudden a werewolf and people are like oh my god werewolves where do they come from we haven't heard about them yeah but but they should have been around for for centuries so so i think that's one of the major obstacles that they're gonna have to uh, overcome is is to to just introduce everything in a way that sets the mood and and fits the setting but it doesn't become just an an x-files or a supernatural monster of the week kind of thing where where everything is everywhere because that's going to take away a lot of the mystery from, from yeah everything. and also an interesting thing is uh since the, since we are probably going to go with movies and tv shows is it going to be that uh, they have a movie that leads into a TV show continuing off from the movie, or do we have a TV show that is leading up to a movie as sort of maybe a season ender? Uh, there, yeah. there are options yeah. there, and it also depends because that's the second thing that um, I think is interesting. They say that it, they will be announcing specific titles, plural. So it seems it won't be one movie, a TV <coughs> show, with everything mashed together, but several titles, which is obviously a really good thing because if they want to mash everything together, it's going to be Avengers Endgame, but yeah. without all the setup, so you're not yeah. going to be able to understand anything. Yeah. So either we have almost total... So I see three options, because either we have almost total separation, like between the Marvel movies and the original Netflix shows, where mm. the events of one are only just alluded to in the others. Yeah. Or we have more integration, where there might be some crossover. The movie-slash-TV shows can take place in the same city or general area and affect each other quite a bit. Uh, and we can have characters crossing over, or we go full Marvel Netflix shows with an actual crossover or uh, and everything that that entails. So what would you prefer, and what do you think is most likely of these? I, I, I think that the most likely, because I think it's it's going to work best from, from a strictly commercial point of view, I, I think something along the lines of, of the MCU is, is probably going to be... Uh, easiest to do in a way that is commercially viable. So you're, you're going to have, um, or, or at least a bit of the mix of the, the last two things you yeah. said. So, so you're going to have you're going to have these movies where where you throw a lot of money and establish things and and kind of like look nerds here's and or rather look non nerds look yeah. at the cool things we have, and and you can splurge on the on the production value and stuff like that, and then you're going to have tie-ins. Um, like like with uh, Wonder Vision and and the Falcon and the Winter Soldier and stuff like that, uh, but since you since you're planning it like this from the start, you you get the opportunity to do what what Wonder Vision and, uh, and and Falcon and the Winter Soldier did, and and that is that you can throw in these cameos from uh, from from like the the big players. For example, you have uh, Colonel Rhodes in the first episode of. Um, uh, of of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier just showing up out of nowhere, uh, you I, I wouldn't be surprised like in in later Marvel uh, series if if you actually do see Spider Man or or like these these big characters just making cameos because never underestimate star power uh, exactly but but you can do it a lot easier if if you plan for it from from the get go um, and. Uh, yeah, so so that's that's kind of like the the overarching um, idea that that I think 
is is probably a good idea for from them or for them. Yeah, and I th I'm th I'm thinking I would actually you know I've I've mentioned a couple of times when we've looked at Dark Ages books that I prefer uh, things to be separate, but in this case with with this media, I wouldn't mind a crossover and and people cropping up and and it's showing that both vampire and werewolf and mages exist within the same continuity. Just because not only do I want these to succeed, but also because in in the realm of this being a story told rather than a game being played i i think it's going to um, to work fine and i mean it's it's funny i'm going to watch it no matter what and i think the majority of of world of darkness fans are going to watch it no matter what to begin with and then we'll see it where it turns out uh, and then there, of course, there are some people who would never watch it unless it was a perfect one-to-one -one translation, which it's never, ever going to be. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we so, see that in the later seasons of Game of Thrones, for example. Yeah. Uh, all right. So the people actually producing this thing are Eric Heiserer and Christine Boyland, uh, a married couple, and they have a production company called Hivemind. Now, it says that they are doing this in concert with Paradox Interactive, who holds the IP for the World of Darkness, and we'll get back to this later, but for now, let's look at these two people and their production company. So, Eric Heiserer is currently the showrunner, writer, and executive producer for Netflix Shadow and Bone series. He was also nominated for an Oscar for a screenplay uh, for the movie Arrival, uh, and Heiser directed and wrote the Paul Walker feature Hours. His feature writing credits include Bird Box and Lights Out. Do you know any of these uh, things? Uh, yeah, I, I do know some of them. I haven't really watched uh, too too much of it. I've let's let's see. I've uh, I've I've seen reviews of, of Bird Box. Uh, I, I read about the Hours uh, and. But but yeah, I haven't I haven't gotten to Shadow and Bone yet. I uh, I, <laughs> I I haven't the time at the moment. Don't <laughs> but it, it seems really cool, and I saw the trailer, and it's it's this kind of dark fantasy series with steampunk elements, which is works <laughs> really. It's commercially viable at, at times. Yeah. at least. I, uh, um, Shadow and Bone. I I've watched it. I absolutely loved it. Mm. Uh, my wife loved it even more than I did. And um, she said that what she'd read online is that people are calling it Sarpunk uh, because it's very much the, the, the main nation in this fantasy world is very much much Tsarist Russia. So people have called it Sarpunk, ah, which okay. sounds cool, cool. amazing. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. But but yeah, Bird Box. I that's that's kind of like the the vision version of the what's it is it called Hush or the the horror yeah, movie? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it's, and and I saw uh, Hush and uh, no 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 not wait not not Hush. Night, um, Hush, a, a, a quiet place. Yeah, quiet place. Yeah, thank you yeah. very much. Uh, so so yeah, and, and I I think I preferred or rather since I haven't seen Bird Box, but from. When when I had to choose between which of the two movies I I was interested, I I chose A Quiet Place because I I just thought that well sounded haha uh, <laughs> interesting, um, but but yeah it's like these if if we start with uh, with Eric like he seems to know what he's doing and especially if he's he's been involved with uh, with uh, the the Witcher uh, so yeah. Uh, so yeah, it, it's uh, again. It's it seems cool, and um, especially the uh, oh Mia names uh, Boylan, um, 
she she's been doing stuff on on the Punisher, which is one of the best. Oh yeah, uh, adaptations. Uh, like I'm I'm gonna say of 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 the Punisher adaptations that they've done. Uh, I'm I'm gonna say that the Thomas Jane version is probably my favorite because the aesthetics is very much according to the comic book, and you, you oh, really yeah. get it's it's very much a comic book movie in the way that. Uh, the 2012 Dread Judge Dread movie is, yeah. Um, but but then you have uh, the the Punisher series uh, is is very much how a real world Punisher would be. Like he obviously has PTSD or at least hints of it. The other people in the show do have it, and and they bring it up and they talk about it and they show the the struggles with it. Um, and and then, so so yeah, it's it's a really good one. Uh, and and The Witcher is is just it's a bit silly at times, but I I really like it. And oh yeah, uh, and aesthetic aesthetically, it's it's almost like this is how you should do computer game movies because or series, uh, yeah, because they manage to mix the fantasy elements with uh, with, with kind of like. Obviously not real world, but but realistic or believable props and and yeah, a real feeling world. Yeah, um, exactly. And now that we're talking about both Shadow and Bone and um, the Punisher, it it seems like if uh, um, if these two are in charge, there's a good chance that we'll have uh, the actor Ben Barnes in one of these things. Mm. He because he's both in Shadow and Bone and yeah. in Punisher, where he plays Jigsaw. Um, and and I'm all for that because he's an amazingly uh, talented actor. So I'm 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 hoping that that they're just going to grab him and say, hey, you've been in a couple of our things. Could you come over here as well? Yeah. Um, yeah. Of, of these, I mean, I've I've seen Shadow and Bone. I've seen Bird Box. I love Shadow and Bone. Bird Box. Um, the 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 setup for it was really interesting, and they did a really good job of of portraying this thing where you can't where you can't really see the thing that you're supposed to be afraid of, which gives me hope for them being able to handle uh, subtlety really, really well. Um, I have no idea what hours and lights out are, and I've specifically not looked into that because I wanted to give just my take on what I know. Mm. And then Arrival, uh, I I read a synopsis of it. I haven't seen it, and it's it's really, really interesting. And also, one thing that um, I read... J- randomly just before doing this podcast was that Heisra actually had to um, fight really hard and write the script um, without getting getting uh, prepaid for it because he insisted that uh, he was he was adapting I can't remember if it's a novel or a short story but in the uh, what he was adapting the main character was a woman and she is in the movie as well and the studio wanted that change to a man and he fought really really hard for it not to be changed which resulted in him having to write the script um, and and then only get paid if it got picked up that is also something that I, yeah. I really like it it means that he's someone who's willing to fight for uh, a faithful adaptation and is willing to fight for having n- uh, the non-stereotypical or non-classical uh, male lead that that we can we can expect um, some mix-up in that which is really really good. Yeah, I I agree that that's I I heard about that as well and and I I think that that's probably gonna be one of the, the biggest like in one way selling points but also obstacles and and that is to get characters that that actually work 
Um, yeah. Be, because and and you mentioned Ben Barnes, and I'm I'm thinking that if if they could also also get John Bernthal who played oh, yes. Frank Castle, because I'm thinking and and again we're touching upon Kindred Embrace because in in some ways he's he's kind of like the the. Uh, 2010s and 2020s version of of Brian uh, Brian Thompson from um, from from the 1990s and people probably don't recognize the name Brian Thompson but the, but when they see him uh, they they will recognize him because he was one of those uh, character actors who showed up in uh, in in uh, movies and and TV series and he plays one of these big brawny characters he's is in X Files as one of the, the alien assassins, and he's uh, he he plays a Bruja in um, in uh, um, in Kindred the Embraced, and and he's been he's been in, in Alienation and and uh, a, a lot of these things like uh, oh yeah he's 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 uh, he's Shao Kahn in in Mortal Kombat in Annihilation. Oh, I didn't uh, know that. <laughs> yeah, so so he's uh, and and he's in uh, yeah he's he's also one of in the first uh, Terminate movies he's one of the punks who gets killed by uh, by Arnold one of the first <laughs> give, give me your clothes uh, and and so he he has this kind of like the, the square face that that you're used to seeing in. Uh, in a lot of movies, is he's uh, similar to Clancy Brown from The Highlander. And, yeah, and, like like you know him and you know he's good and 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 John Bernthal can can easily fit that role as well because they're, they're they they both act with their jaws basically <laughs> and, and and their their skulls. So and they do have and 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 this isn't putting them down. I I love the acting of both of them. Uh, oh yes, they're, they're, they're really good and and the fact that they can just project their their image and their presence in the way they do means that they don't really have to do a lot of other acting. Not that they don't, but they don't necessarily need to. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, we uh, if if we're moving into like the the production side of things, uh, we no, wait, uh, we have we still have Christine Boylan. Because, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. We, we'll uh, yeah, because you've already you already mentioned the Punisher, but she's mm. also written for uh, Cloak and Dagger, Constantine, and Leverage, uh, and and a lot more. Uh, and she was the supervising producer on ABC's Once Upon a Time and a co-producer on uh, Castle. Mm. So obviously, you know, The Punisher, we've already talked about that. Yeah. Uh, any of the other um, things uh, ring a bell for you? Uh, yeah, well, the obvious one is, is Castle which with Nathan Fillion. So so if we... if Like, I, I can see Nathan Fillion as, uh, as perhaps not a vampire, but maybe as a mage or something. Um or, or, or as a hunter or something. So if, if we can get Nathan Fillion into this, I would, <laughs> I, I wouldn't cry. I would. Well, I probably would, but from, from, from joy. Uh, but, yeah. But I yeah. mean, I've, I've, I've recently been rewatching Castle because it's on Disney Plus. So uh, my wife and I have been rewatching those, and it's, it's kind of interesting because the first couple of seasons, it's for those of you who don't know, there's a classic will they, won't they um, romance angle going with first they annoy each other and then will they get together and. Up until the point where they get together, it's a really well-written, really uh, well-done show, and then it just starts going downhill from there. Uh, so I'm hoping that that you know it's not her fault that it started going going downhill because it's a, a really well-done show up to uh, up to that point. And the other ones that I've seen uh, on this list, I'm I'm also really uh, happy with. Yeah, it's the the problem with with Castle as I've seen it. I've I couldn't. 
I, I couldn't finish the whole series because it's it, there's just too many episodes, and I tried watching Supernatural to the end, and uh, oh, I haven't God. finished that that either. So, so I, I think the problem with with a lot of these shows is that they just go on for too long and and yeah. they don't have a, a finite ending, uh, which which in a way doesn't necessarily have to be a problem with um, with a show as, as for example, Vampire the, the Masquerade or something, uh, because you can always switch out the, uh, the the characters and the main characters, and so you don't have to have the same old thing or again you can you can switch focus to to something completely different, for example. But but yeah, there there was some some kind of fatigue basically in, in yeah. a castle. I completely agree with that. Yeah, so of, of these ones, I mean, The Punisher, we've talked about it, Cloak and Dagger, which is um, another Marvel, uh, oh, sorry, is it DC? No, it's, no I, think yeah, it's I think Marvel. it's Marvel, actually. Yeah, yeah I haven't seen um, it. But, but without tying into the, the MCU. Um, I, I tried watching it because I, I was uh, a minor fan of Cloak and Dagger in the comic books. Didn't really grab me, but still very well produced. Constantine, too short-lived, but really really yeah. well done yeah an and, amazingly and the, the well done actor who plays him is is perfect for the role ryan uh what's his name uh, matt ryan matt, matt ryan. ryan yeah 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 um and then leverage i've never seen it but i've heard a lot of good about it it's um That's sort of a, a feeling as well isn't it like, no i don't i'm not sure no, i don't think so uh, but i'm not 100 percent sure no, yeah um but it's i think it's sort of like a caper tv show where you have uh, people who used to run cons and yeah, things like yeah, that. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm confusing it with someone else. Yeah, it's, it's not yeah. uh, Nathan Fillion. Uh, but, no. but yeah. And then Once Upon a Time, uh, my wife's watched it and, and really liked it. So this this really um, gives hope again that, you know, she's been, Christine Boland, been involved in some really good mm. things. Uh, and then we go on to the production, as you mentioned, <laughs> yeah. uh, with with we, Hive Mind. Yeah, well, we 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 should mention that she's uh, in, been involved, or is it both of them that's been involved in the sci-fi show, The Expanse, which yeah, I've, because... I've only seen like the, half of the first uh, season, but it's it's amazing. Uh, yeah, um, because so, Hive so, Mind, yeah. yeah, it's Hive Mind because they they they're producing the uh, Amazon. Uh, Expanse. Expanse ran for I think it's two seasons on um, sci-fi and then they cancelled it and then Amazon picked it up and then Hivemind took over oh, okay. uh, and they're doing they're doing a great job. I mean, I am a huge Expanse fan. Um, the books are even better than the TV show uh, and the TV show is really good. Um, with regards to The Witcher, it says uh, Hivemind uh, from what I've read um, it says the Hive Mind is currently developing a spin-off anime and prequel for the live-action Witcher series at Netflix. And then other um, other articles said that they were working on Netf- uh, on uh, Witcher specifically the main sh- series. But when I did research for this, I couldn't find any mention of that. So I don't know if that's true. But just being involved with Witcher, I think we can agree that is uh, an, an awesome franchise. Um, yeah, they, they they're doing a lot of it. So they they I don't know if uh, I I think like they mentioned that the the spin-off anime and the prequel series are two different things. So so I yeah. think that that the prequel series are going to be live action as well. And and if it's the same kind of people producing it, which it seems to be, uh, so so you have uh, Todd of Todd's Workshop doing a lot of the the production of oh yeah of that's the right. Props. Uh, so that's that's going to be. Um, 
it, it, it's been good so far and it's going to be good uh, for, for quite a while, I think. Uh, but but yeah, when when it comes to the actual production, I think, and and again, this is just me fanboying and dreaming. Uh, I, I, I but I think they could gain a lot of value from, um, especially if they want to do it a bit old school or, or go back to the old world of darkness feel. Uh, I think they should bring back a lot of the the team that they had. So for example, bringing Tim Bradstreet as as a conceptual oh, artist because yes. he's uh, and and he's done for everything, and he's one of the reasons why both uh, the Punisher with Thomas Jane. It's basically his aesthetics with the long yeah. trench coats and, and everything uh, throughout the movies, and um, like the the end scene in in season two of the Punisher with John Bernthal, uh, which is is um, uh, just just the Punisher uh, ripping out or opening up his coat, and he's holding to. Uh, assault rifles just blast, blasting it, and then he started blasting away um, <laughs> at just just screaming at the camera, and, and that is uh, on purpose uh, done to emulate a Tim Bradstreet, Tim Bradstreet's, Brad, Tim's one of Tim's pictures <laughs> paintings. Also, um, they need to get Ron Spencer, uh, who is the greatest werewolf artist yeah, ever. Get yeah. some of his stuff in there because. He is amazing, but like you mentioned, you, you say some of the old uh, guard. I mean, um, Justin Achille was recently brought back to uh, to Vampire the Masquerade. <laughs> well, that too, yeah. uh, but no, brought back to Vampire, and mm. and he's he's posted about this. So I mean, he's not super old school. You have to go uh, if 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 you want to go really old school, but still, I think he's been integral to yeah creating. The the semi old school feel of of um, yeah, he's, vampire. He's one of the like for the main most or yeah m- most people. He's the second know, generation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but most people who know about Vampire the Masquerade uh, probably knows a lot of Justin stuff because, like yeah. you said, he was he was kind of essential for a lot of things going on. Uh, but but yeah, so so get get Tim and Ron uh, doing conceptual arts. Uh, get uh it it would be cool if they could at least do like like uh i don't know if they can actually get the bands but at least the music from the succubus club just just as um background music in one of the scenes that that they have uh i mean just playing no, one of I, the songs in, in the background they could probably get at least a few of the bands to write new material for them i'm thinking uh i i don't think Rogue would have any problem with the Crew Shadows uh, having some of their music in in the TV show, and I think their music would would fit perfectly not just for for Vampire, but actually also for Mage and Orpheus. So uh, let's yeah. let's cross our fingers that uh, yeah. that the people doing it are going to uh, to be grabbing uh, grabbing the Crew Shadows. Con- considering the the uh, rock op- opera. Um, um, comic book uh, kind of project that that uh, uh, Rogue and the Crew Shadows has been working on with uh, with uh, um, author Brent. Uh, yeah Brent Lengel. Uh, I I think that Orpheus is is actually quite a good fit for it. Oh yeah, um, definitely. So so um, yeah, that that could work. But but yeah, we we mentioned a few actors that that we would like to see, and and I would actually like to see if if they could get like Brian Thompson and and maybe Clancy Brown or just just perhaps not for the entire show but but at least a few cameos and so but are are there any other actors that you would really like to see in this show 
Uh, whoa, I mean, not that they're they're going to get him because he's tied up with Marvel, but Paul Bettany is one of my absolute favorite oh, actors yeah. of all time. So I wouldn't mind them them getting him. Uh, uh, I'm not, you know, I'm I'm not the kind of person who who really who's really good at doing the whole um, mm, thinking okay, yeah. ab- uh, about uh, actors and stuff because usually it's it's like they they bring in some actors and I think that they are they are amazing um, in 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 the roles. I, I'm generally quite happy with casting at the moment in the things that I watch. Uh, people people I think do a, a really good job. So I'm I'm just thinking that if they grab some of the people that that they've had in in the the um, shows that we've mentioned the TV shows that we've mentioned I think that they can get some really good stuff going because they've shown an ability to uh, to work with it. What would obviously be awesome is if they got some people who who we know are are role players uh, to to be involved with it. I mean. Matt Mercer is a, a voice artist, but having mm. him do some voiceover work or voicing someone who is a, a CGI character, that would be an awesome thing. Yeah, yeah, you could also get, like, Travis Willingham, who he, he has a small role in one of the Punisher episodes as a, a corrupt special forces soldier who gets killed by, by John Bernthal. Uh, so, uh, and, and he also has the jaw to, to act with his, with his jaw, so, so he could... Uh, I, I could see him as, as either a uh, werewolf or, or a brooch or something if, if you go, want to go with the kind of traditional uh, route. Um, oh, and uh, obviously Joe uh, Manganiello, uh, who was in True Blood and Magic Mike. Um, yeah. he, he, is, he is well known for being a D&D player. Uh, and, and, you know, if, if you want some eye candy, definitely get him in there. He, yeah. he, he's also, incidentally, an, an exceptionally good actor even though he's probably mainly known for for being eye candy, he is a very very good actor. Yeah. So, but but yeah, there is speculating. It's it's too much to to like cast everyone. But but yeah, we we have a few names, and 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 I'm also thinking um, people like uh, Lena Headey. Speaking of of dread mentioned, and, oh yeah, and, uh, Game of Thrones. Uh, she would. I I could see her as a, a completely ruthless. Um, uh, prince of of a city, which is it, it would be kind of a repeat of uh, of Queen Cersei, but but she would be excellent. Carl <laughs> uh, uh, Urban as well because he's a he's a great. You know. Oh yeah, Carl, yeah. <laughs> they reunite those two from from Dread. Uh, that could be interesting. Uh, yeah, but so so you had a, you have a lot of of good action actors to uh, yeah. Okay. From. Uh, but yeah, should should we go into the the TV series that actually has been produced? Well, there's there's a couple of other things I'd, I'd like to touch on before yeah. we get to that because uh, one of Hive, uh, one of the founders of Hive Mind is quoted as saying um, that you know uh, Eric Heisra and Christine Boyland they are also gamers who have played in the world of darkness since it began. It's a rare opportunity when the connection between storyteller and story runs this deep. And that is the alchemy which has led to many of our favorite and most culturally resonant franchises. So, what's your take on the showrunners apparently being long-time World of Darkness gamers? Well, I I did not know that, so I, it's it's kind of hard to say anything. But but you can see a bit of of the influence, or maybe I'm reading a bit too much into it. But but you like we talked about the Punisher and Constantine and and shows like that. In in some ways, they do have kind of a, a World of Darkness feel with with. Constantine obviously would be a mage or 
perhaps a hunter. Um, I'd rather see him as a mage. Uh, the Punisher, uh, the Punisher could be a hunter, or it's you just like if if you take the comic, um, the comic book hunter or the comic comic book version of of the Punisher, where he actually faces off against not supernatural threats, but but superheroes and supervillains and stuff like that. You you have the whole. Um, just a mortal against a much more powerful foe uh, feel to it. So, uh, but but yeah, I, I definitely think that they seem to be able to bring some some good into to everything. Yeah, and I'm I'm just you know the cynic in me is wondering if it's it's really true, but I actually think it it is because we are at the point in time where somebody saying that that they are lifelong gamers is a positive because it shows their creativity, and so I I general I think that it's probably going to be a good point also because uh, this this means that they're probably going to uh, fight to keep the feel of the. Um, of the world that we so love but at the same time from what they've done i think they've shown an ability to translate uh source material into a viable uh, media for people mm. who don't know the yeah. source material so so that's good uh, now a couple of articles mentioned that hive mind will work in concert with paradox interactive which has controlled the rights to the franchise since 2015. Now, this one's interesting because while Paradox controls the IP, the intellectual property, they haven't actually published most of the fifth edition books. Uh, they did the core book and the books that came out at the same time, Cabarilla and Anarx, under the White Wolf imprint, and these had some unfortunate controversies connected to them. I don't think we need to rehash those. No. Um, however, the rest of the books were by Modifius or Onyx Path, and Paradox has closed the White Wolf imprint, and the upcoming books are all by various publishers. Now, I believe that the books uh, still go through a process with Paradox since they hold the IP, but um, it's still others who've been doing much of the work and just, you know, going through um, going through Paradox to get uh, approval of the work they're doing. Uh, anyway, I don't really know how much Paradox is going to be influencing the show slash movies once the deal is done. What I think, and I've seen some comments to support this, is that the deal is signed with Paradox influencing the broad strokes of what could be done with their IP, but I don't think that they will have nearly as much influence, if any, on the finished products as they have on the books done by other publishers. Of course, Paradox is a decently sized games company, uh, computer games company, so they might have some influence simply from, from being as big as they are, but what do you think in terms of Paradox influencing how their IP is portrayed? I... I, I don't know. It's it's a difficult question, but but I think that either uh, I, I, and and again, this is just I'm I'm just speedballing here. But but I feel that what one big problem, and you mentioned it kind of with uh, uh, with Eric rewriting Heiser uh, rewriting or or not rewriting the script for Arrival to to have a male uh, protagonist, for example, like. If it's the old uh, too many too many cooks spoil the broth, so so I think that the best thing that that paradox and the producer of the show would do is probably to sit down beforehand and like okay this is what we want into the show what do you want into the show and how can we mix those two so that we get a good product uh, yeah because I think that and I'm not saying that paradox would do it but I'm I'm saying that they should because if uh, uh, if they go in during the process and say that no you have to change this or you have to change that and we want it this way then then it could just be uh it, the the end product is 
isn't going to be as good as it could have been if they just decided beforehand to to have trust in the producers and say that okay as long as you have these things and you do these things this way go crazy and as long as you can make us a lot of money then then just do whatever you want uh these are the things that you have to do these are the things that you cannot do but yeah. except for that go crazy um, yeah that's that's what i think as well um so the last thing before we move on to kindred the embraced uh there are two quotes from the articles that i want to point out one quote is building a fan base through the inclusive representation of race gender creed and sexuality mm. and the other one is the world of darkness story universe is deliberately and unapologetically inclusive and diverse yeah. says boylan it has always made a point of including equal gendered characters protagonists and antagonists of every race and representation of all creeds bringing a female and diverse audience to gaming like nothing prior its games and fandom are a place where women POC and the LGBTQI uh, community feel welcome, and we are very proud to bring these stories to life. Now, we are both white, heterosexual, cisgender males, so I don't think we can really be the judges here. Uh, I will say that I noticed when uh, the, the World of Darkness, especially Vampire, became very popular here in Denmark, it brought in a lot more women to gaming than other games had done. Uh, but I would really like to hear from any of our listeners who fall into the above-mentioned groups how much they agree with this statement. Yeah, and uh, and I think it's interesting that it's it's Boylan who who makes the statement and and not Heiser. But uh, and and again, like mentioned, I I can't really say if it's true or not from from what I know of the kind of how to say it's the, the Swedish role-playing community. It it does hold some value to it, but uh, I would say that it's even if it's not in practice if you look at actual people who play it it's not that diverse it at least invites that kind of diversity and it allows for it and it it holds no bars for for gender or creed or something and and we've seen this in when we're in in the last few books that we looked on like for example that that you could have uh viking asamites for example or, or uh, whatever um and and so that there's like there's there's nothing preventing all of this uh but but also if you look at it like you have sure some of them are, are quite stereotypical like you have the the lesbian assassin vampires uh with uh, oh, lucita yeah. and fatima uh but but at the same time they're both pocs you have uh sasha vikos who is a gender or something he they they literally ripped off their their genitalia and, uh, as a sign of protest and and haven't apparently grown it back since what the 1400s so you have all yeah. these things that that fit into it uh so 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 you can have it's it's not going to be a stretch to have a a a black prince or a a, a latinx uh, werewolf for example because it's it's already there, so it's it's not going to be anything stopping them. Uh, the fact yeah, I, that I mean, we, as as the gaming community, uh, perhaps isn't as good as we could be. That's on us. That's that's oh, not yeah, on, uh, on, on the the medium. Yeah, the, the the there's a huge debate in in Denmark that that flares up again and again in um, in the LARPing community about the fact that you have um, uh, a a dark elf game LARP game going on in Denmark where it's the um the Forgotten Realms version of Dark Elves the Drow so it's with black 
yeah. paint where uh, you have the debate where there are um, Danish LARPers of African extraction who are saying this is blackface, this makes us uncomfortable, where others are saying but but we're not portraying anyone as black, we're, we're specifically painting ourselves actual black, not the what is called black which is which is a brown color mm. and but but then the others are saying but this is still it's this still draws parallels to blackface and in addition you're painting yourself dark-skinned in order to portray a society that is specifically evil yeah so it it becomes a whole debate i believe that they are going to make it uh, make these tv shows quite inclusive at least uh, i i very much hope they are i believe they are but once again i would very much like to hear from any of our listeners who yeah. belong uh, to to the the categories if that's yeah. the way to put it that they've mentioned do you think that uh white wolf's games have been as inclusive as they say and do you think that that these tv shows are going to be as inclusive as they say uh because i certainly hope so um, yeah, I'm, I'm just gonna throw in my my hat in the whole draw thing because i i i feel that the the way the draws has been portrayed in in the especially the older editions of dungeons and dragons uh has been problematic and and some of the ways that they're portrayed in and i've only read about it on on the facebook's uh, on on the thing in denmark uh, but but i can see the problematics in it and and i and and for me like the the solution is quite easy like first of all don't have them as as actual black skinned like make them dark blues or dark grays or something because often it looks cooler as well and don't mm-hmm. make them inherently evil because you're going to have that um almost subconscious connection between dark skinned people and evil which which isn't good and 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 if nothing else like if if people are uncomfortable because you wear something that reminds them of blackface just change it enough so that you don't make them uncomfortable it's it's it doesn't have to do with with freedom of speech or anything like that that i have seen people actually arguing about it's just like don't be an asshole change change yeah. it. you can you can still play an evil draw but you don't have to be the stereotypical evil draw yeah so All right so about that uh, yeah, so that's what the articles have to say, and obviously we can't talk about the world of darkness on the screen without mentioning, as you have done, Kindred the Embraced mm-hmm. or Vampire 90210, as I like to call it. <laughs> yeah. It was a, t- a TV show based off Vampire the Masquerade, and it ran for eight episodes back in 1996. It was co-produced by Spe- uh, Spelling Television, which was run by Aaron Spelling, the man responsible for Beverly Hills 90210 and also Melrose Place, which is not as well known as 90210, but would actually be a better parallel to Kindred the Embraced. It's just that not a lot of people know it. Mm. Um, it was created by Mark Reinhagen, the creator of, um, of Vampire the Masquerade. He was actually one of the, the creators of the show. He, he got involved at a level, uh, at a quite high level. And then someone named John Leakley uh, before Kindred, he didn't do anything that I have any knowledge of. The closest being a producer and writer on Night Rider 2010, which isn't something I've seen. And then apparently he written he'd written some episodes for Miami Vice. Uh, so Peter, um, tell us about this TV show and whether or not it was really as bad as people say it is. Well, <laughs> again, I yeah, it's I I haven't seen the whole of it. I, I have to mention because the, it's when it came out, I hadn't really started with. Um, role playing and and especially getting American 
TV series in, in Sweden was kind of hard and you didn't have the interwebs and, and stuff like that. But I have watched some of it. And and yeah, like you mentioned, it's, it is it is kind of like Beverly Hills or Melrose Place, uh, but with vampires. Uh, but I... I, I think I can see why people say that. I haven't really watched Beverly Hills nor Melrose Place, uh, but I, <laughs> I I did. Yeah. I, I was I was a big fan of of nine hundred two one zero. Full disclosure: back when I was I was a teenager. Yeah, it's, but um, but it's huh. <laughs> it's you you have this. It's it's a lot of and and now I, I'm I'm just exaggerating for the sake of it. But but you have a lot of this like you feel is in the long stairs into cameras because you're sulking over your girlfriend or boyfriend or or pet werewolf dumping you or whatever and and people standing on rooftops staring out into the distance uh but younger uh, audience perhaps uh, in in my generation would recognize it more uh, uh, as, as dawson's creek with banks ah. uh, but but again you you have this uh it's um it's it's kind of a two-sided story because on on the one hand you have uh, a human cop uh, who is investigating um, a, an alleged mobster who turns out to be a vampire, and then you have, um, uh, and and then you have uh, this. What, what is it? She's is she a reporter or some kind of forensic expert? Uh, the, the female protagonist who's who becomes the love oh. interest of, of uh, uh, the the vampire mobster prince. I- can't remember but um, i think reporter yes yeah so uh and and so 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 you have this kind of love i know it's not a love triangle is it but but you, you still have this yeah. mortal woman falls in love with ancient vampire and and he's gonna look deeply into his soul and uh and and then you also have like we mentioned that we we did have um uh, uh brian thompson as as the the bruja he's He's the leader of the Bruja, I think, if yeah, I'm not yeah. mistaken. Uh, so, so you have, uh, and and then you have all these the, these conflicts with basically your standard uh, <laughs> vampire campaign. Um, yeah. Oh, and the the cop, the the human cop, is played by C. Thomas Howell, who I think oh. is a very underrated actor. Yeah. Uh, I really like him. Yeah, yeah, he's he's been in he, again. He's one of these that you you recognize him when you see him, uh, and and you you've seen him in in a lot of things. Uh, but but yeah, as as for the actual story of of it, uh, I really can't say because, like I said, I haven't seen. I think I've only seen like one or two episodes of it. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, do, do you want to tell us more about it? Well, you know, the thing is with it. It it had some potential, uh, especially in the in the last episode where they included an Asamite. The, the interesting thing was they threw out the Malkavian and, and Tremere clans for being too problematic, um, and and then in the last episode they introduced um, an Asamite, and you started to get an idea of it being able to go in a direction. But um, and this is a point that I've I've made um, on Facebook as well. It was a product of its time. Yeah. In order to make, to translate, for the first time, I believe, a role-playing game to a TV show. I, I, I think this was the first time a role-playing game was made into yeah, a they, TV they show. Yeah, they did make the... Well, you did have the animated D&D series. Uh, oh, you yeah. Had, uh, <clears throat> you had a D&D movie or something before yeah. that. But, but yeah, making... And again, this shows how big... Uh, White Wolf and Vampire and World of Darkness was back then. They they actually yeah. made a TV series from it. But but yeah, go on. 
And it was it was a product of its time in that they had to take out the Malkavian, they had to take out the Tremere, because otherwise they wouldn't have made the show. They, the vampires were able to walk around during the day because they didn't have the budget to to shoot too much at night. Yeah. So they had to change that. And and you can you can complain about it all they you want, but here's the thing. They were trying to make a TV show. In order to make a TV show, you have to get the people who are who have the money to agree to make it. And the people who had the money, they saw what was profitable at the time. And what was what was profitable at the time was uh, Beverly Hills 90210, yeah, exactly. Melrose Place, that sort of thing. Yeah. So in order to get the show made, they had to make these changes. And if you look at what would be a product of our time, where yeah. TV shows can have big budgets where people are okay with a more um with a more faithful translation where people are okay with learning more about uh the mythology of the show they're watching i think that that this shows that you can have a really good uh translation today because you have a different situation that you had back then um and yeah it was it was silly because because it, it it really was this this um, romance uh, drama with with a bit of vampire thrown in, um, but at the same time it had some it had some okay ideas. It had some rather good acting. It had some good uh, actors in it. So if if we take this as the sort of trial run back in the mid nineties, yeah. now we go into the twenty twenties. Um, I, I I have high hopes, and I would say that you know it's. Um, I don't know how well available Kindred the Embraced is, if there are episodes on YouTube or anything. But if if people haven't seen it, if you have a way of watching it, try try giving it uh, a watch. If if nothing else, get some some friends together with your intoxicant of choice, and just have uh, have like a, a, a riffing session on it. That that can be fun as well. Um, I, I, th- I think that would actually be kind of fun because, li- like you mentioned, some the the actors are really good. The the character who played the main the the Ventru Prince, the main character, yeah, he actually died. I'm gonna see if I can find his name real quick. He, he, uh, yeah, he Franco, died in a he died in, yeah. in a motorcycle accident, which, if I'm not mistaken, is one of the reasons why they didn't didn't make a second yeah. season. Uh, yeah, but this this show went on in in 1996. In 1997. Buffy the Vampire Slayer premiered, and and as, as oh, you mentioned, yeah. uh, you you had to go with what was profitable at the time, and I think that it would have been a lot harder to sell Buffy the Vampire Slayer if it hadn't been that just the year p- previous you had at least a fairly uh, successful uh, vampire show, at least something that people could relate to. Uh, yeah, and, and uh, again, like you mentioned, it that they had to drop some of the clans, they had to drop. The, the special effects or the, the filming at night, the Nosferatu who are supposed to be really hideous, they they kind of look just look pale and weird if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, at at, so, at one so point the main Nosferatu things, character puts on a wig. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So so all of these things is in, 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 just like for example with Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the the kind of the the vamp face. Also, Brian Thompson is in Buffy the Vampire Slayer again. He's he in, is indeed. Yeah, he, so he plays the judge. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So so you can and Nathan Fillion is in it as well. Uh, but so so you have like the, the the vamp face that that you have in in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. You can easily do that or something like that for the Nosferatu. And, and again, we we have the. Uh, 
the makeup and and the CGI to make everything a lot easier now. So so like you mentioned it, yeah, it's it was a product of its time, but presumably this is also going to be a product of its time, the, the new stuff. So I, I think I don't know. It it would be kind of cool if they made some kind of homage to to the old stuff. Just just talking about uh, that Prince Julian of Los Angeles or something like that. Just yeah, like something. either a cameo or an easter egg or something to acknowledge it i think that would be uh, kind of cool uh, and i've mentioned it before you can't make both hardcore gamer fans and non-gaming uh, the non-gaming audience happy and the non-gaming audience outnumber gamers they are going to make concessions to bring in the people who are not gamers who are not world of darkness fans and those of us who are World of Darkness fans and who are are experts and can can pick out all matter of inconsistencies, you know, instead of doing that, just you know, chill and enjoy the fact that it's it's going to be made. Uh, I mean, sure, you, you, you they could massively drop the ball. I mean, even as as someone who has not read a single Game of Thrones book, I realize that uh, some of the later seasons of Game of Thrones. They they could have been a lot better. Yeah, that's, um, yeah. Let's not in, get into that because that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, you know, we, we're getting we're getting uh, something that we we really like that we really love that has been a part of of of, uh, of our in, entertainment and enjoyment for a long time. Mm. We're getting a new um, a new way of seeing that, and who knows? Maybe it'll bring in more gamers, and we we know that the gaming industry needs more gamers yeah, and and they can always hire i don't know some a, a couple of weird scandinavians as as kind of like onset consults or something i don't know that <laughs> could yeah. work. oh and and obviously if 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 they're going with any weapons or armor props they need uh, todd from todd's workshop to make them because he makes good props yeah yes he does uh, <laughs> there, there are others as well but yeah he, he does uh, and and he deserves the uh, it's but but yeah so uh, so yeah do sh- should we move on or have we bored should we yeah. bore our listeners some more with this or should we go into the dark ages aspect of it I think I think since this, this is the world of dark ages podcasts uh, let's uh, let's look at the possibility of a dark ages movie or TV show uh, and I'm going to say this unless this takes off to the level of Game of Thrones or something similar they're not going to make a dark ages TV show. And I really doubt we're, we'll get a movie. We might see flashbacks to the Dark Ages era, but unless this becomes an incredibly popular and thus profitable franchise, I don't think we're going to get a, a dedicated Dark Ages TV show or movie. Do you agree? Uh, yeah, I, I think that the um, the chances of a of a movie taking place, at least in large parts in the Dark Ages, is is at least fairly high compared to to an entire tv series set set in the dark ages because if nothing else you're going to have uh problems with continuity you're going to have problems with like oh but we want to have this actor in in both because star value and stuff like that and and so if we throw her in then we can do it but then you're going to have again the continuity problems like didn't she die back in the 1500s and but no she's back again and uh, so yeah, I, I think flashbacks and perhaps a movie uh, would is more likely than anything else. Um, yeah, but then again, like we've seen, they, they're making prequels to to Game of Thrones. Of course, that had to do with commercial success. So mm-hmm. 
so it's it's not impossible that that it, it could happen but yeah I'd, I'd say it's fairly unlikely yeah and the reason I'm, i say this is because once again we go come back to appealing to a wider audience and if you look at what's going on fantasy based on the middle ages appeals more than actual historical stuff and this is not fantasy obviously you have vampires and stuff like that uh but when I when I say fantasy, I say I, I'm thinking things like Game of Thrones, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, if you look at it, we're we're in really uh, a, a renaissance of TV shows, especially with streaming services doing their own. And if I think successful TV shows set in the Middle Ages that isn't fantasy but might involve supernatural elements, the only thing I can think of is Nightfall. I I can't think of anything else that takes place in the Middle Ages. You have things like Vikings and the Last yeah. Kingdom, but that just shows you that the Viking Age sells better. Is, um, is there supernatural stuff in 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 Nightfall? I haven't seen that actually. Uh, no, I, I there, there's there's this whole uh, conspiracy thing that's going oh, on. Okay, well, uh, which which may or may not be supernatural, but you still you involve something that didn't really exist in our Dark Ages oh, as okay, we yeah. as we are aware of it. So. I, I can't think of anything other than Nightfall. You you can go back to Vikings and the Last Kingdom. Yeah. HBO's Rome series was quite popular. Mm. I know there are some popular. There's at least one popular series taking place in ancient Greek, if I recall correctly. And if yes. you move up in time, oh sorry, did, did no, you know no, which no, one? I, I can't remember. Well, well, you do have. Well, you do have Xena, the warrior princess, but I don't think that's the one you're... Uh, oh, Spartacus, Blood yeah, and Sand. Spartacus, no, sorry, yeah, that's, that's Roman that's as well. One. Yeah, I was. I would but there's also one in Greece. There's also one in Greece that I can't remember. I, if you move, yeah, don't know. Uh, I think was. it's no. Uh, mm-hmm. If you move up in time, uh, you hit something like uh, the the Renaissance and later. Once again, things start to become popular uh, during the the um, the Age of Sail. You have Black Sails, uh, which is quite a fun uh, mm-hmm. show. Um, you have Shadow and, and Bone that we've mentioned, which yeah. takes place in in a version of the uh, of the early 1800s or something like that but the thing is with the middle ages um yeah. you don't really have anything and i think well i'm, I'm gonna pe- throw i'm gonna throw one in there actually it's it's quite an old one but it's the old robin of sherwood from the 1980s oh yes connery is uh, son is it james or john connery in it uh, and, I think it's Jason Connery or something uh, like that. Yeah, but Jason, yeah. yeah, and and that and one, Ray Winston and stuff like. Because you you had you had a very mystical, um, it, like like you had Hearn the Hunter, who's who's a um, kind of this almost Celtic idea of a forest being kind of a bit druidic and being part of the land, and and Robin taking up the mantle of of being a protector of the land against the uh, the, the kind of Norman invaders. Uh, so, so I would say that one, and I really like that one as well. But, but yeah, you, you I can't recommend it enough. It is yeah. an amazing uh, show. And if you took that and, and made it big budget and used that aesthetics yeah. to make a Dark Ages show, yeah. I think that would be awesome. But the thing is, when when yeah, when we really the people don't who have that much, we we do have again with with the seventeen hundreds, you have the movie Brotherhood of the Wolf, which is is, is kind of supernatural and stuff like that. Yeah, but but, but yeah, I I agree that there there isn't. And and I think that's kind of inherently the thing that if if people want fantasy, they're gonna look at at the fantasy show like like for example uh, Game of Thrones or The Witch. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, exactly. And, and it's gonna be hard. Uh, or or it, I I think that no one has really uh, seen the potential of 
like why why do we want to do a medieval Ghostbusters basically? Uh, yeah, but but it could work. I, I, I yeah, exactly. It, especially if you do it as a part, like I mentioned, a movie tying into this whole World of Darkness cinematic universe. And and the thing is, like, if they do it, my my biggest worry is that they're going to do uh, a sort of medieval times version of of the Middle Ages yeah, yeah. because they're not they're not going to hire the two of us to sit there and <laughs> and have having me say uh, no you can't have long swords and plate armor because that wasn't around back then yeah. no the uh, the the tournament that you want that that wouldn't happen at that point or you yeah. sitting there pointing out that that no the clothing that you're putting yeah. them in that's actually 200 years uh, too early yeah. for that kind of clothing because people have and we've touched upon this so many times when we talk about the Dark Ages books. People have a very, very ingrained idea of what the Middle Ages were. And it's a mix of everything from the early 13th century all the way up to the late 15th century. Um, and, I mean, they could do that. But if they do that, I will watch it, but I will complain endlessly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But but I, I don't think it's impossible to do. At least... let. Let's say if we if we stick to to a single movie because I don't think it's it's gonna be that impossible to do because we ha we've had some really good uh, historical movies from about the setting and I'm I'm, I'm thinking uh, of of Outlaw King with with Chris Pine and uh, in the name of the Rose also yeah, a, the name a of really Rose. good yeah, exactly. one and, and that's also quite an old one so it's it's not like yeah. you have to do something new to to have a but and and that's also like if if we're going into the whole how would I make things like this I I would definitely look at the aesthetics of of Outlaw King uh, and and of course you can always you don't have to set it in 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 the uh, the time that Dark Ages takes place you can move it up or uh, switch it around a bit if if you really want it but yeah but, I mean if if they've already established the the Anarch revolt and the um, convention of thorns in their modern day then obviously if they set it during that time then that is going to tie into something that people already know yeah so I mean a movie set around the um, the Anarch revolt and then the um, the convention of thorns I think could be interesting uh, especially as someone who's who's played the Convention of Thorns as a LARP, I think there could be a lot of interesting stuff going on there. Yeah, probably. You you at least they know where to, <laughs> which castle to film it in. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. but yeah, again, you you do have um, you, you do have the potential because there is there is enough historical movies that that are actually decently or or uh, sufficiently historically accurate when it comes to to clothes and stuff like that 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 it would satisfy us basically but but there, there are still so many ways that you can get a good aesthetic aesthetics uh, but still keep the kind of like the, the dark and 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 greedy and and the, the darkness of the world of darkness and and again i'm gonna move back to to dread because the the 2012 dread movie has um what, what i like about it it, it it is that it's it has a very um dark and and kind of, of, of brooding and and dreadful uh, atmosphere <laughs> to it because it is it, it is very cramped and it's it's uh, it's uh, like the, the the buildings are are huge and and overbearing each each city block is basically a city of its own so it's it's kind of cramped and 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 
uh, feel uh, it, it has a, in in some ways it has a kind of uh, world of darkness feel to it but at the same time the color palette that you look it's in some ways it's it's very subdued but you still have like the the um, the yellows and the, some greens and blues and especially reds since there's a lot of blood in it which you need in a vampire movie as well <laughs> but but you still have this um, even though it's 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 not a very bright movie you still have colors showing through and of course in some ways like the the use of of um, like like fires burning or or smoke and uh, stuff like that they they still have uh, colored smoke in the case because dread throws smoke grenades i think they're supposed to be tear gas as well who cares uh, but mm-hmm. but you still have these these bright flashes of color that you could you, you could use the same kind of of aesthetic and and color palette in in a medieval movie so you would still get these like the the people in fancy clothes would have the their fancy clothes and their you they don't have to be dressed in all blacks and browns and grays you could you could have colors showing through even though the 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 overall look of the film is 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 very gothic and and dark yeah okay so let's end our discussion with this if they did a dark ages movie or tv show number one where do you think they would set it and number two where would you set it Oof. Uh, <laughs> yeah well i i think it kind of depends i um i i think they would probably set it in uh in in western europe and that is some some place around uh, well, the Holy Roman Empire, France, or, or England is probably the most likely because that's then, then you can have English-speaking actors and and you can have could probably do some kind of silly time with Robin Hood if they wanted to do that. Or uh, <laughs> but but I, I, I'd say that it would also kind of depend on where they set the the modern setting because you do want some kind of tie-in. Uh, mm. But but Western Europe is 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 probably. Uh, my my best bet, uh, and yeah. and it's probably going to be somewhere around twelve to thirteen hundreds. Uh, again, depending if if they do one of these movies where they they jump in time a bit, and I could easily see them do that. It, they they could have they could start out in the Viking Age to show the embrace of of the the Viking character, and and then two hundred years later you you have the rest of the movie perhaps. Um, but yeah, there's there's a lot of interesting options because if if we're going to the 1300s, you have the uh, you have everything happening up in in Scotland with William Wallace and Robert Bruce. You have the um, no wait, that's that's earlier. Well, when you 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 have you have that yeah. in the 1300s, in the 1200s you have the the fall of the Knights Templar and and stuff like that. So it's hard to say actually. Um, mm. And as for where I would want to put it, it's. Again, it's 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 hard to say. It's um, let, let me put it like this: it it kind of depends if they want to go for a PG thirteen or, or more of an, an X rated <laughs> because uh, and and that is probably one of the problems with uh, with Kindred Embraced. It's it's that it's it's I don't know when it was slotted in for for being shown in in the US, but you couldn't really have the kind of graphic violence that you have in in The Witch or Game of Thrones or anything like that or, or Dread again for that matter. Uh, or Outlaw King, uh, and I would probably want to see quite a lot of, of blood and violence, uh, at least in some parts of, especially if it's a if it's a dark age movie. Of course, then it yeah. Uh, so 
so so if if we want to throw in more of that and have that then then i would probably want it set in in a time and place where where you could actually use that for example the sack of constantinople or um or maybe one of the peasant riots in, or peasant rebellions in in france or england um anything like that uh, you could easily throw in the the fall of montsegur um in france oh, yes. in the 1240s and just have this literal massacre uh and if they do something like that i want to i i, I want to be able to to bathe in the blood and gore then again <laughs> speaking of of uh, name of the rose you could basically do that but with vampires and then you wouldn't really need it and then you can just find a nice i don't know italian monastery to to hang around in and or yes vampires and monasteries yeah exactly uh, so so it i don't know it all all kind of depends um <laughs> Ask yeah. me later. Damn, that's a good question. <laughs> um, I'm I'm thinking, basic, just basically without anything else. England is what comes to mind mm. where they would set yeah. it, just because they know that that would appeal to uh, the maximum broadness of the audience. Um, and and depending on when they said it, they could do some tie-ins to the Hundred Years' War, uh, have characters come over to what is today France, but which was at that point actually England. Um, and and get involved in that and tie it into the Anarch Revolt and everything. I think there's also a chance they they might decide to set it in Italy just because of of the Italian city states and and you know trying to get yeah. a more political game yeah. out of it. Um, so so that's where I think they might they might set it. Where I would set it, um, I would I would love to have one that takes place either in the Lübeck Hamburg area tying into the rise of the Hanseatic League, or in Flanders, where you have a lot of, for the time, very big cities in very close proximity to each other, giving you some quite nice opportunities, and it's uh, technically a part of France at this point, uh, and there are conflicts with France, so you can have a nice political game going on there, and you can tie it into something that people are more familiar with when you think about the Middle Ages, which is medieval France. Yeah, um yeah. so but it it i mean it would be awesome especially if they decided to uh, to focus more on um more on historical accuracy so we got something something less brave heart more outlawking yeah exactly that that would be re- be really nice and and again you you have the the dark and greedy aesthetics and and violent scenes and outlawking so um and and i'm just throwing out if uh, if the the producers um if uh, if Eric and Christine are listening, like ju- just as a personal plea from from me to you, if you're doing scenes set in the Viking temple in Uppsala, please at least take a look at the pictures and don't do what Vikings did and take this this very flat area with with this um, ice age ridge and man-made uh, burial mounds and turn it into <laughs> a forested mountain. As they did in Vikings, please don't do that. <laughs> I'll show uh, you around. Um, if you wanna, if 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 you wanna come visit and and look at things, just hit me up and I'll I'll show you around the place. It's really cool. Uh, but please don't. Do and that. on the other, and on the other hand, if you're going to do anything in Denmark, please remember that we are flat, yes, very flat. Yes. Don't 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 do what what they did in the Beowulf movie and have the sweeping vistas of the Danish cliffs. Because the, the Danish no. fjords. <laughs> well, we have fjords, yeah, well, but they're but they're relatively flat yeah. and not rocky at all. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so 
I, I am, of course, pretty damn stoked about this. Yeah. And I'm not going to be a naysayer. I don't expect a perfect translation of the World of Darkness to the screen. And although I would love, uh, love that, maybe not a 100% perfect translation, but like 99%, I'm I'm going to enjoy what comes unless they botch it to the levels of say uh, the series The Watch and its its take on Pratchett's work, yeah. which I think is a horrible botch. Yeah, or, or the later th- seasons of Game of Thrones. Yeah, I think we have the opportunity to get something really interesting here. So, Peter, your last comments. Yeah, I I don't know. I, I said most of the things or <laughs> everything I can think of. Like, like, but but yeah, like like you say, it's. It has every potential from from every aspect I mentioned, from the uh, from the aesthetics to to the feel to translating to uh, inclusive characters and everything like that. They they do have the potential of of making a really good show because the the background material is there. They they can um, if nothing else, they could always do uh, at least something inspired by the the clan novels. Uh, which kind of was the tie into the end of games, uh, end of time scenarios that that White Wolf published. Um, apparently, mm. the Orpheus uh, scenario, the five books, was really good, so they could do something with that. Uh, you you do already have these. Again, personally, I think it would be cool as an homage to the old stuff to perhaps include this <laughs> these uh, lesbian uh, assassin vampires, but make them better, make them. Uh, uh, like they would have worked today, or, or uh, in, include a few of the other characters, the the um, uh, the, the kind of uh, principal characters from from the stories, just because it would be cool. Uh, they have the potential to be cool characters, while at the same time would satisfy the old guard of uh, all the old fans. Like, yeah, I know that character because he shows up in that campaign. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> so, 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 yeah, I'm. Again, again, I'm not skeptic, but but I'm 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 not gonna hold my breath. But I I'll be looking forward to what they're gonna produce, and I really hope that it it will be as good as it both the the base material uh, has and what it seems that these producers uh, have put out so far. Yeah, uh, and obviously. If uh, we find out more information, we're going to uh, to tell you about it. So before I say goodbye, I just want to encourage people to pop by our Facebook page and discuss this. I would love to hear from people with more experience with TV and movies. Hey, even um, theater production. I know we have at least a couple of listeners who've been involved in that. Yeah. Um, I, I would enjoy he- hearing people's take on this, their expectations, uh, what they think this is going to be. Uh, so come by the Facebook page and, and let's have a, a talk about this because this is one of the biggest things that's happened since uh, Vampire the Masquerade got revitalized. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, and yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to many interesting uh, discussions about this as well. Yes. And with that, it's goodbye from me, Jacob. And from me, Peter. Farewell and see you next time. Bye.